Rolling on set. Quiet on set. Blast no off. one talk. Blast off. No one talk. This Blast podcast off. is silent from here on out. Blast off. <gasps> Don't smoke. Or you'll end up like me. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Hello. I'm Chase. I mean, wait, whoops. <laughs> what? I'm Liam. What are you doing? I was going to introduce myself. <laughs> I accidentally did the wrong person, though. <laughs> I didn't even get to say hi. Yeah, I'm Liam. Welcome to episode... Uh, what episode is this? 15. 15. Episode 15 of Two Servings of Fruit. I'm Chase. Now you do it. I'm Liam. Yeah, that was better. You're Chase. I just said that. Yeah. I'm just clarifying. God. Today we're talking about... Dancing. Specifically, ball. Dancing. We're going to the ball. We're going to go have a ball. <laughs> I don't know if um, anyone has seen HBO Max's series Legendary, but it's a ballroom dancing competition show. And for all you ladies out there, we're not talking about the ball. Like Cinderella goes to the ball, loses a glass slipper. This is not Sango. This is not Sango. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Is this a New York accent? I don't know. I don't know. It's borderline Christopher Walken. <laughs> I'm like, nah, do, I'm... do your best Christopher Walken talking about ballroom. We're good now. We're... <laughs> keep going. Keep going. We're going to go to the ball. <laughs> I really can't do that. I either. love that. That was good. I used to be able to. Sometimes I can do a really, only when I'm not trying to, really good Jerry Seinfeld. It's you like it's try? borderline. I I see the thing is when I try to do it, I can't do it. But like it'll come up sometimes when I'm just talking normally. Here, let me try. Um, what does Jerry Seinfeld sound like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Yeah, that's not it either. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No. <laughs> okay. 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 Anyways, clearly you can't do it. When you Abby try. Will vouch when you try. Me. When you try. Abby will vouch so maybe it'll come up naturally. Yeah. Anyways, so we're talking to um, London Escada today, who was on season one of HBO Max's ballroom competition, mm-hmm. Legendary. Mm-hmm. House and, of Escada. Yeah, House of Escada. And they came in third. Yeah. So they made it pretty far. Yeah. All the way to the end. But before we get into all that, I have a, I'm really excited for my WSOTW, so we need to do WSOTW now. Q jingle. Q jingle. Weird, it's the weirdest shit that you've ever seen this week. Yeah, welcome to Weird Shit of the Week. The Week, the Week, Week, Week. I had chili for breakfast and a hash brown. <laughs> is, that is the weird shit of the fucking week. <laughs> news, news, news. Read all about it. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Gay podcast host has chili for breakfast. My weird shit is from CNN. The headline is Italian woman accidentally given six shots of COVID-19 vaccine. I don't know why you find this so funny. I think it's hilarious the thought of getting like so much vaccine, like just getting extra vaccinated, hyper vaccinated even. How do you, how, how did that occur? Well, they say it was a mistake. 
It was, she's no 20... shit, it was a fucking mistake. Well, the, How I, was the mistake Hold made? on, hold on here. A 23-year-old woman was mistakenly given six doses of the Pfizer vaccine, <laughs> and she was monitored for 24 hours straight to make sure she didn't have an allergic reaction. But um, basically, a health worker accidentally filled a syringe with an entire bottle of the vaccine containing oh, a total of six doses. So she got it all at once. She How got, long was that needle going? going? <laughs> it's a lot. You know? Oh, Liam, you should tell the people you're vaccinated. Yes, we're both vaccinated. That's also why this yeah. is topical. But I just like this quote in the um, in this article here. An internal investigation has been opened, said Gianelli, who added that it was, quote, maybe just human error, definitively not on purpose. Which to me, that quote implies that there's some third option that he's not telling us that it was intentional well he says definitively not on purpose but maybe human error as if maybe maybe what else like if it wasn't, if it on, wasn't purpose, on purpose then it was or human error my hypothesis is this woman went and asked to get six shots of the vaccine. you think and you think the nurse just did it <laughs> maybe the nurse was forced to because the woman was like you have to give me six shots you must Okay. Because that's something I would do. That sounds, I don't, that sounds not believable. It's something, it's something that could happen. <laughs> I would do it. Me like, Why I, didn't you when you got your vaccine? I was literally cracking jokes like I should get a hundred of these. <laughs> you said that to the nurse? Not to the nurse, but oh. I was just cracking jokes So he chickened myself. out when it came to it. He chickened out. Everywhere. I would, I would get, you know, an extra two or three. That is so wasteful. <laughs> Just for fun. That so, that's not for fun. They, well, when they have enough, like, you know, a couple years down the line, maybe I'll just get... A couple years. Hey, do you have any left over? <laughs> Can I get some extra, please? <laughs> well, I don't even think it's that weird. I what if the person? What if the person... What if the nurse intentionally did it? Well, they said definitively not on purpose. Yeah, but we're making hypotheses. Uh-huh. So what if the nurse did it on purpose okay. to waste vaccines? Well, she's an anti-vaxxer, you think? There are a lot of healthcare workers that don't believe in COVID. Yeah, that's crazy to me. I went to the doctor because of something that happened at work, mm-hmm. and he came in not wearing a mask. Oh, yeah, you're done. The me doctor. About that. And I said, can you put a mask on? And he was pissed off I made him put a mask on. <laughs> he tried to just wear a face shield. I was like, that doesn't do anything. Like, I'm not stupid. You know that doesn't do anything. You're a fucking doctor. He was such an asshole. I hate You know joke. what? The, here's a good joke. What's the difference between God and a doctor? What? God doesn't walk around thinking he's a doctor. Get it? Is that the joke? Yeah, because a doctor walks around thinking he's God. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay, thanks for that one. What is your weird shit since you, since apparently you don't support getting six shots of Pfizer? <laughs> no, I don't support wasting vaccines when there already aren't enough. Well, I would want of six shots. My, the headline for mine is from Huffington Post. I didn't really look that hard for a weird shit this week. This one just caught my eye. Okay. Japanese town decides giant squid statue is the best use of COVID-19 relief funds. (laughs) I was not anticipating it to be COVID-19 relief funds. Oh my God, it's in color too. Well, that's why it costs so much. And it is structurally looks like it's a challenge. It's like laying down 
Yeah. You need engineers for that. You know, you're not just spending, you know, a couple, bu- a couple of those COVID-19 relief funds. You're spending money. Yeah. It's money, the, money. It's the town of Noto, which is located on the west coast of Honshu. And it's known for its squid fishing. So town leaders decided a huge statue of the is this tasty like a- cephalopod. <laughs> yeah. Cephalopod, that is correct. Could cook up interest from tourists, so they think it will attract tourists to there. Interesting. Now, guess how much it cost? That's like a like a forty million dollar thing. No way, no. <laughs> no it forty million dollars. No, that's your okay, well now it's just gonna sound lame when I say how much it was. <laughs> like you weren't supposed to guess that high. <laughs> Fuck. It was, was two hundred grand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So like it was twenty times less. It was like all of the COVID relief money, and it says some locals think the funds should have been used for COVID relief. Maybe, <laughs> perhaps. Did the town vote? How did they decide this? No town leaders just decided. Jeez, you know what? The uh, people love to focus on national politics, but your average congressman can't do as much as your average town council member, evidently. And uh, it, they. Urgently require support with medical staff and long-term care facilities. So they could have used the money towards that instead of the giant squid. Is it a tourist town? Because I get it. If No, but they're trying to make it a tourist town. The squid is to make it a tourist town. Well, now it's an investment. Yeah, we'll see if they get a return. Me thinking $40 million. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Jesus. What the fuck? Well, what's 200 grand going to do? 200 grand is hardly anything. You know, what's 200 grand? Like, a couple fucking bagels. You know? Anyways, that was weird <laughs> shit of the week. That was weird shit yeah. of the week. That was awesome. Um, uh, Merry Christmas. Anyways, we're talking about bowls. We have to say bowls. Every like time we bowls. say bowls, you gotta say bowl. Every time you say house, you gotta say... Kind of like it in between balls and bowls. It's... Yeah. Balls. 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 The ball room. It's B-O-A-L-L. But when were you introduced to ballroom? Um, I guess, like, I think it was probably more, like, peripheral, like, in music videos or something. You probably see a bit of that dance style in there. I don't think I was explicitly kind of introduced to that until maybe Drag Race. And then from there, I was like, what is this? They're always talking about Paris is Burning. Like, what Mm -hmm. are these references? And then I watched Paris is Burning, and I was like, oh, this is a whole thing. This is, like, a whole thing. I watched Paris is Burning not that long ago, like, a couple Mm -hmm. months ago. There were, like, so many things they said that were, like, references from Drag Race and that I just didn't know watching Drag Race. And now right. I'm like, holy, did, has RuPaul ever come up with an original saying? Ever? <laughs> <laughs> ever? RuPaul. Or did it all come from the MC in Paris is Burning? No, he's been but... fracked. He's been completely fracked. Huh? RuPaul. Has been fracked? Has been fracked. Because RuPaul loves fracking. So he internally fracked himself. Does RuPaul love fracking? You don't know this? No. It's like a whole thing. Yeah, it's like a meme that RuPaul loves fracking. <laughs> Is it like true? I think he said a comment in like in favor of fracking or something. Oh. And then and then now it's just like RuPaul loves fracking. <laughs> do you know what fracking is? For oil. But do you know how it works? Don't they blow shit up? Kind of, but anyways. <laughs> you can tell me. No, it's a secret. Am I right? Is it blowing shit up to get kind oil? Of, kind of. Why why kind of? What's the other part of it? Not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks. Okay. So I was right. Well, they drill and then they make this big thing that goes like kind of parallel to the ground, but it's much underneath ground. 
Much, <laughs> yeah, this is the guy who's educating me right now. Much underneath the ground. But then they just like crack the, they, they frack and crack the, the hard rock. Frack and crack. Frack, crack and crack. And then with a big straw, they slurp it up. <laughs> One of my TikToks that did good was, um, that did good. <laughs> yeah, that did good was a joke about how Joe Biden was going to get a sloppy blowjob on the inauguration day. From you? Not from me. I'm not blowing Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> from Dr. Jill Biden, obviously. I don't think Dr. Jill Biden gives both jobs. She probably does them very respectfully. Anyways, back to dancing. Um, have you ever been to a ball? No, and I, I was I was gonna say, like we talk about Paris is burning. That's literally the only explicit Yeah and legendary, I guess, are the only explicit introductions I've had to ballroom. Like I've never been to a ball. Does Vancouver have balls? Like I don't, I don't know. know. I see I follow this TikTok account that's always showing like people voguing and they're just like like these events are so full of people and I'm like where are these happening? I want to go to one. I feel like it's in New York, but also they're yeah. like in Europe and stuff. It's just like it's like it's a thing. Well, the ball like obviously in Paris is burning. The ball scene started in New York, right? Mhm. Uh, but they're all over America. Mm. Like, we talked to London. He's from Boston. Mm-hmm. They're all over America. I know. But I don't think I've ever heard of one in Canada. Or are they, are they like, underground things? Like, I'm thinking it's got to be, like, you know, niche. It's Or not niche, yeah, like, but it's got to be, like, you got to be in a scene. Do you have to know someone who knows someone who knows someone to get yeah. invited to a ball? I think so. You I know, I go. bet they do. I know, I'm sure I could figure out where they would do those in Vancouver. Um, the fucking Val or whatever it's called probably does stuff like that. If you're listening to this, can you invite us to a ball? Yeah. Please? We don't, we're not going to perform. We're just going to stand there and watch. I'm going to bring some chili. Liam would probably perform. I'll just bring chili. But like a huge bucket of chili so everyone can have some chili. I think this episode is probably going to be one of our very, I would say, least approachable for people who are maybe outside the gay community or... Even people within the gay community. I mean, I feel like we don't know a lot about exactly. ballroom, and and that's why I think our interview with London later will shed a lot of light, fill a people. lot of gaps mm-hmm. that we aren't able to fill. What people need to know about ballroom and balls and voguing and the whole performative aspect of it is it's it's not just dancing; it's also outfits. It's you know kind of where modern drag, as we understand it today kind of has roots but it is also a very distinct entity that has its own like purpose and goals and is is very separate it's almost like a pageant vibe like an underground pageant situation it totally is it's more of like the earnings or the winnings like the trophies you know what i mean Snatching yeah. trophies, like mm-hmm. all these kind of like lingo and so many phrases. Yeah, all come from balls. And I think the actual prize is more this like status within a community. And the community is and, very yeah. close knit. And like people have titles like legend or icon, mm-hmm. which are very coveted titles. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because again, people might not really know of that, yet they're still so sought after. It's a very interesting... Yeah, and there are houses, and there are mothers and fathers of houses, mm-hmm. and it's just, I feel like watching Paris is Burning, it's like, a, it's how it was explained in Paris is Burning is it's a lot of transgender people mm-hmm. who, especially transgender women, transgender black women, who mm-hmm. like don't kind of get to live that 
that fantasy of being a woman that they want to live out in the real world, but they can live that through the ball. Mm -hmm. That's what I got from it. Totally. Which was kind of special. I think what's so interesting about it is it's so, it's like entertainment and it's like fun, but it's also taken so serious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like people put in effort. They work hard. They work. Yeah. They W-E-R-K. Yeah. Another, I think, important facet of voguing and ballroom is it's almost uh, spontaneous, you know? There's fundamentals to it. You've got your hands, your floor work, you've Mm -hmm. got your spins and your dips and and all of that. But it's so, like, it's that you kind of just take those fundamentals and then you improv. And it's, like, choreographed loosely, it's like very yeah. kind of like go into it and get that energy. And it's all about the vibe and the the effort that's given out. It's very dynamic. I really enjoy like we did watch some of the, the show Legendary for for this and just because it's entertaining. It's fun. And it's fun. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's so it's so all over the place. It's so exciting and fresh. Yeah. It's really interesting how many... Um, like uh, dance moves from ballroom has been incorporated into mainstream and and like we've talked about the lingo in mm-hmm. the gay community and the queer community that has come from ballroom but I feel like people don't know where that shit comes from totally and I feel like it's important to know like on drag race when they go category is ball yeah, <laughs> yeah. in the balls yeah anything started in the balls in RuPaul's so, balls drag race started in RuPaul's balls yeah his balls and his brain. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Anyways, I don't know how much we should talk just us about ballroom mm-hmm. before we go into our interview because uh, we're just not experts. We really aren't. And we have a great in-depth interview with London Escada coming up. So mm-hmm. I think maybe it's best if we just... Let that speak for itself. Hell yeah. I agree. I support. So coming up, London Escada. after these messages from our promotional members... We have promos. Um, thank you so much to um, Garlic for supporting this episode. Like just the food? Garlic. Yeah. Garlic reached out to us. Get 20% off on um, just garlic when you go to a grocery store. If garlic's on sale for 20% off. Side effects include death if you are a vampire. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Garlic, for making this episode possible. Don't forget... Say, two servings of fruit at checkout. Just at any grocery store. At any grocery store, you'll get 20% off. And if they say what, then just run out with the garlic. With the garlic. Our guest today is the mother of the House of Escada, which came in third place on the first season of HBO Max's ballroom competition, Legendary. Here to talk about ball culture, as well as his experience on the show, please welcome London Escada. Hey, love. Hey, How are you doing? Doing so good. <laughs> just came in um, from Atlanta, um, back into Boston right now. So um, just arriving at home. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much for being yeah. here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Hello. Hello. Oh, oh. So lag. <laughs> this is this is the cost of using the internet, I guess. It's always challenging. <laughs> okay. Does it sound better on, on my side? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely sounds better. Okay. Okay, I'm finally connected. No, um, but I would love to like you know get into the conversation of ballroom and you know definitely break down like the journey of getting into it and 
you know, the whereabouts, the nobouts um, around the edges of the culture. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, awesome. Then we'll just, we'll go right into it. How do you talk about ball culture to people who don't know what it is? How do you describe it? And what are the things that really stand out for you? So um, usually when I, I, I break down the culture of ballroom, when they don't actually know where it came from or understand like the origin of it, um, I always bring it down to them that think of it as a chosen family that deals with a Greek lifestyle um, because we have our brothers and sisters. You have your chapters, you have your mother and father, you know, that run the chapters and um, we all come together as one. But also ballroom was also founded back in the day when it wasn't, you weren't able to be allowed to be yourself or be part of the LGBT community. And you was usually kicked out of your house or kicked out of your family because of the you know, your sexual orientation. So we used to all get together and create our own family. And so, and we come together as a friendly competition to have great bonding of competition wise. Yeah. <laughs> we had to, you know, there's different categories, which is um, like Vogue Femme, you got um, Best Dress, you have Runway, you have so many different categories that become our lifestyle as well. So, you know, that's just a summing up for like uh, how ballroom is broken down. But then you have your times that how ballroom was created, uh, which you have um, La Beja was the first house. It was Crystal La Beja. She was part of one of the pageants back in the day and she wanted to have her own little space. So they came together, decided to throw these little functions together and um, decided to give little house names, which they found like, you know, from different house brands, I mean, safe name brands like Gucci or um, Mugler, Chanel, Balenciaga. So we inherit those those names to become this family of brand and labels. And after that, those dreams that these, I would say, our ancestors have dreamed about and died for, um, it all started from there. And now it's just became mainstream. How did you personally get involved in, in ballroom culture? So I used to watch America's Best Dance Crew. Um, back in like 2008 and I saw um, Vogue Evolution and I'm just like I was a hip-hop dancer at the time you know trying to learn like different styles and just to see Vogue being so free and I didn't have to be masculine or I didn't have to be I was okay to be myself and be free expression of yourself especially in Vogue you're supposed to express yourself through a different light and through your femininity you know so um, me discovering Vogue was just a different door for me because at that time I was trying to figure out who I was because I was like you know I don't want to show my mom that I can just get dressed up in girl clothes that I didn't kind of tell it to her you know um like when I was first was entering that uh realm of ballroom just going there and seeing everybody that was like strangers to me at the time that have now became like you know close friends close bonds family they all helped me and supported me on that night to be like hey don't worry, you got this. Um, they seen things off of Facebook. So they saw how I was taking Vogue a little bit serious. So they were trying to help me get my tens. <laughs> they came up to me and they're like, hey, pay attention to the judges. Make sure you are um, using all five elements. Um, just have your charisma and have fun. And that's what they told me before I hit that floor. And so when I got out there, I just kind of like had fun and kind of blanked out and was just was in my own creativity. I evoked in front of them and got my 10. And after that, I got addicted into being into ballroom, you know? So yeah. getting into ballroom has got so addictive for me because I knew that, I, you know, being an artist or a dancer, you want to create things. And so like, 
like Barbara gave me that opportunity to have a canvas to paint on. Totally. And I, I mean, the thing I like pick up on so much just from the show and just from like seeing, you know, ballrooms through different forms of media and everything is it's just, it's so personal and it's so, you know, different every time. So what for you is like really exciting about a function? So the most exciting thing about when I go to a function is just thinking about what type of moment you can make out of the category that is presented to you. Um, you usually get like a, a large flyer that has a whole bunch of categories on it and you find your where your categories at and then they give you like, you know, a little synopsis on like, uh, hey, I need you to become Peter Pan for the night or um, depending on what, you know, what the ball theme is. But I always try to to go out of the box. <laughs> People sometimes forget winners, but they never forget a moment. So that's why we strive so hard to make sure there's moments being made. I'm curious how you came to be on Legendary. Like, how were you approached to, to be on the show or did you audition? Like, how did that work? Maybe like, I want to say 2019. Uh, me and Chris, which is my, also my manager, we were doing workshops at Emerson College and um, we were working on getting the first collegiate house, especially for the Kiki scene, which is a smaller scene of the main scene, which is um, so there's ballroom, which is we call the main scene where you have Milan, Balenciaga, Mugler. Um, those are our heavy main scene stream names. And then the Kiki scene is for our youth which is, um, gives them a chance to either A, change their category over. And um, so if, this, if you're doing Volcom in one category in the main scene, you might want to become realness in a kiki scene just to fill out things or, you know, let the youth have fun and play with it. So um, since we were making a first collegiate house for the kiki scene, as I was doing that, we ended up having a ball, um, having like an uh, interview with uh la chapter of the emerson college institution and then we have did an article which hbo has stumbled on and once they read you know different articles and then they got into like the interviews that we were doing at emerson and stuff like that they were interested into seeing that they can bring um a piece of meat onto the show emerson call college calls me and they're like hey london um hbo is calling looking for you i said they're looking for me from what <laughs> I, I said, what I do, <laughs> and so um, after that, once I was able to get in contact with HBO, I immediately, you know, put my family together, which it was I already had the few in my back in my mind that I wanted. So you got Jazul, uh, Yo Yo, Twilight, and Cheyenne. So they are like my my babies, you know. Like I knew I kind of wanted to grow with them, and I wanted to go onto a show with people that. I had genuine bonds with. Could you tell us a little bit about what being a mother is like, like a mother of a house and what responsibilities that holds? So I became mother in 2007, no, 16. And um, what being a mother is, the mother of a house is the one that is checking your mental health, making sure that you are feeling okay, caring, nurturing, just loving. She's the support of the house. She's the heart. Um, if you are having like a bad day, you just need like, you know, comforting. That's what a house mother is there for. 
or guidance um, through ballroom, trying to figure out where what kind of path you want to go. So everything that you kind of get from your biological, um, that's what kind of ballroom mothers become. And also your ballroom mothers are sometimes your trophy of your house. You know, they're like your, your queen to your kingdom. Mm-hmm. So me becoming mothers, it was just like a, for me, I was coming into my adult motherhood <laughs> in a sense, because I knew that I had not, I was not just accountable for my own life or my own journey. I have I have to be accountable for all my kids that I put myself into their lives with. You know, oh, yeah. being a mother is a very, very, very important role in ballroom because you have to make sure that, you know, that you're nurturing your 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 kids the right way and making sure they're all going down the best path and in their journeys as possible i mean that's so nice to hear that it is like it is such a familial bond that you create like within the house i'm kind of curious because i hear the like the term mother gets used a lot in like drag culture as well and i'm kind of curious to see what are the distinctions for you between ballroom culture and drag culture because i feel like they're similar but a lot of people get them lumped together yes okay so like um for the longest time you always see like you know ballroom and then you see drag world and it's so like we always had um we're coming from the same background but it's just a slight hair difference like drag drag world I feel like it's its own it's like a cousin <laughs> and um and also drag is more um just more over the top more extreme bringing a character to life ballroom is more bringing a lifestyle ballroom is like more like it's a everyday thing it's like you're embracing your lifestyle to become better so you can create different moments in ballroom you know so um drag is more of a performance world that you come out and you put on your makeup even though you can have your your um drag mom you drag kids you know you still have your drag family and everything but just that in ballroom it's just a little slight different because sometimes we're not just performing this is also our lifestyles of how we grow and learn to deal with our own self-growth and um personal looks like you you end up seeing in ballroom that we have a lot of trans women because they see that they wanted to go from being who they were to transcend into the woman that they wanted to be or transcend into the man that they wanted to be. So in ballroom, you just have, you know, just a different area angles like that way. Other than that, our lingo is kind of almost the same. <laughs> like, yes, honey. Yes, ma'am. Um, you know, uh, shade. Yeah. Uh, it's just a couple of things that drag has kind of came into like the ballroom terms of lingo and it's kind of made their own so you know this is kind of the mix up of the lingo and stuff like that but how was your time on the show your house did quite well you made it to the top three how do you feel your experience was overall oh my god the experience on legendary was the most beautiful and craziest journey i have ever been down (laughs) like we did not sleep for a whole month and a half, uh-huh. but as we got through it together, it was the way that we made sure that we couldn't lose ourselves in this. Like, you know, some of the days that it got heavy and the pressure was strong, we were able to be like, okay, we got this. Let's breathe. Let's take a minute. 
that's um you know we just check up on each other's heart and our mind because we knew that the, there was a competition and yes the hundred thousand dollars was great but we wanted to make sure our own bonds and our own health and you know was together so that was the most beautiful part of the journey for me is just seeing like my kids never say no even though they were some um you know they were just getting into um the culture even more and learning about it they were able to say hey you know what no matter what the task is what the mission is what kind of dreams that they um they wanted to put and make create and bring to life because legendary gave us an opportunity to put things that we dreamed about you know to make it come to life and make it part of art and and part of a moment that was so beautiful to me during this whole you know legendary journey it's so <laughs> nice to hear that you just have these like just such amazing vivid memories still of what of how it was for you and it's just like oh it's so sweet <laughs> those are my babies yeah. yeah you can really you can really feel like the love that you guys have for each other yeah even though it is a competition i was curious were you able to uh, make any relationships with the other houses? Like, how was that? Oh, yes. Um, I made, we, yes, like, Balmain and Ninja, we all bonded so well together and meeting the Gucci's and meeting the Lavins. I mean, um, Lavins, I kind of knew them and beforehand, but just to see them on a show doing their own thing was like even a different experience than ballroom you know i got a lot closer with a lot of the cast and we became like this legendary family now so we have like this group chat that we keep in contact with each other um you know seeing each other progress or seeing what we're doing together and like you know this past two weeks ago i was just at calypso's house for like two weeks (laughs) you know i'm going to see her and jamari and, you know, we're still, all of us are still connected. We're still boss goddess and everything and performing together at Todrick Hall's house together. I'm like, yeah. how did we end up doing this? <laughs> you know? And so it's so beautiful, the bonds that we end up leaving with. So, yeah, totally. That's great. How do you feel the show? Obviously, it's a production. So how do you feel that was different than like a regular ball function? You know, certain categories, like, okay, for instance, for... The bizarre category, I think it was the intergalactic episode. I had, you know, a little bit of trouble of doing bizarre because they want us to vogue in bizarre. And in our culture for a ballroom, we never vogue in bizarre. You know, it's all about your garment of how you took things around your house and you put it together to make this extravagant gown or extravagant suit. And because like um, back in the day, the, the icons, or legends take like a whole bunch of, I remember, I think his name was Jose Extravaganza Icon, and he took a whole bunch of forks, gold forks, and he put it together to make wings and like a suit out of the forks. And, you know, and that's bizarre, but it looked so good. It looked like armor when he had it all put together. And that's bizarre. You take that and you present it to to the room. Some people can take like vacuum cleaner holes and make like a space helmet and space um, suits and like, you know, just things out of your sheets and garments, you know, putting it all together. That was bizarre. Um, But they, you know, Legendary was asking for us to throw a little performance in it. And I was like, can we meet? (laughs) (laughs) So we had like a a great talk. And that's one thing about Legendary that I appreciated the most. It was that we were always able to sit down and talk about some of the categories that 
you know, trying to make a platform that we can both coexist. And it was equally bounded. So, you know, you had a little bit of TV and you had a little bit of um, ballroom culture, like perfectly trying to meet each other. We found our way to express Bazaar the best way that we could to keep it authentic to the actual culture. Mm-hmm. Would you say that, um, you know, obviously it's great that ballroom's getting this mainstream stage, but would you say that because it's still television, you are losing a bit of that authenticity with some of the categories? Y- yes, because like, you know, as I was watching some of the things like uh, when Erica Lavin mentioned about like, oh, the way that you become, I mean, the way you do, can identify a virgin is a, a person that stays in their hometown and never leaves. That's not a virgin. Like, I felt like that was not our, authentic to what our culture is because now you're painting a picture to a wide group of audience that are going to think now, if you stay home, you're a virgin. A virgin is a person that comes into ballroom from zero days to a year. So mm-hmm. once you have... um once you go past that year, you're no longer a virgin. Don't matter if you are walking in your hometown for eight years, you are not considered a virgin no more. <laughs> you know, and so like that's some, certain things that I worry about when it comes to our culture being mainstream because certain things can be painted off the of TV that's not incorrect. You know, but I think that if we always have this type of topics and, and conversations, I think it will protect our culture because people can understand that what's TV and what's, you know, really our culture, you know. Uh, we definitely need to have a more discussion and maybe more of a deeper level type of program to be with the legendary episodes that just explain the authentic side of the category and then they can, you know, show and display or have like, you know, fun on the episode of Legendary. Because, <laughs> you know, as long as you educate people and let them know exactly where it comes from and what it is supposed to be, I think people just have the understanding and won't be able to yeah, mistreat the culture without learning its roots. Totally. And I mean, on that, do you feel the show is going to impact ball culture as it continues to become more mainstream? Oh, yes. Legendary has opened doors for me. And I know a a lot of my peers that were part of the Legendary um, cast. Um, It helped us get into doors that I could never even think about going to. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like just being able to work with, you know, Sakira's and Black Eyed Peas, like management team to create this video or uh, voguing at Todrick's Towels or um, I have this new project that's coming out on Showtime, like things like that. Like um, I just did a, the, the Kiki show on Amazon Prime. And it's just like, I could never have thought in a million years that I would be doing all this. You know, I even let go of my nine to five job just to do gigs and, and perform and travel the world right at the moment. So it's like this whole journey has helped me grow from a person that thought that it was just going to be a hobby into making that hobby turn into a career. And I'm now able to make money off of things that I love, you know, like there's sometimes you work in just the work, but you don't love it. But I love Vogue and I love this culture. So 
like me doing all this doesn't even feel like work to me anymore. You know, I mean, it doesn't even feel like it's work. It just feels like I'm just living my dreams and just going with the flow and just embracing my own creativity at the moment. So I think legendary is so important because it's uh, helping a lot of kids and peers of this culture to not give up hope that, hey, just because like, back in the day, like people used to say, oh, you Vogue, you can't go nowhere with that. You can't put that on your resume. You can't do nothing with it. But now I can put it on a resume. <laughs> I can, you know, tell them, hey, I want to perform this ball, this ball. I also perform for this person. You know, I can yeah. put it on a resume and still be able to move forward. So Legendary is so important because it's helping so many of us get to the next level. And Ballroom has always been used but never given the credits for us to advance and now we're able to advance with the credit that legendary has given us that's awesome well it's so exciting to hear you're you know booked and busy yes thank you (laughs) (laughs) i have a, a question maybe a little bit of tea here but i know there was some controversy with the judging panel when season one was announced and as someone who went through the show i just want to know your opinions on who they've chosen as like the permanent judging fixture oh yes (laughs) let's get into it (laughs) (laughs) so like the judge panel i i felt i love the judge panel um i think it gives a little bit of a mix-up and toss-up it gives you like you know you can never feel secure in what's going to happen because you got so many different personalities and so many different backgrounds happening yeah um I think I I remember seeing a lot of people saying that they don't like that there's a lot of people that aren't from ballroom on the panel. I kind of like that. Um, I'm happy that there is only just Naomi on there. Maybe they should have one more ballroom, um, maybe not from the performance side, but maybe like an icon from fashion or icon from runway um, to be up there. But I like it that it's not all ballroom because ballroom also has politics as the same as any, you know, any other realm or position. There's politics in everything in life. Mm-hmm. So I feel like them being a mix up like that, it brings everybody on the same level. There's no, you know, past judgments. Nobody's being biased. You know, they have to learn us just how we're learning them, you know, but the, uh, <laughs> there's always that one judge, and I'm, you know, I'm gonna say his name, Law. <laughs> <laughs> Law, I feel like he's a great judge because he puts that pressure on you, and you have to. He always made people want to impress him because he was always so like vocal and so bold in his words. But at the same time, I don't feel like he was so honest with his opinion when it came down to voting. Because he was so gravitated to a, a way a house made him feel instead of what the house made him feel from a performance of that night, mm. you know? And so, like, when he didn't feel like La Vin was winning, he didn't want to give it to nobody else. If you look at towards like the end of the season, and you see episode eight or um, episode seven, he's like, oh, I'm going to go with La Vin because if you want to battle, you know, mm. but then the live villains go out there and they get swallowed up by the, the villains, you know? And it's just like, you see other people that were a little bit stronger to battle these these, villain, these villains, but he was so stuck on how Erica and 
how she made him feel or how the lot of Vince Catholic is, you know, um, how they're, they're poised and how they carry themselves. He was so into that instead of seeing what was presented in front of him. He couldn't see past it. So for me, like his judgment became so in void to me because I started seeing a person just being a fan of a house and not being a judge of a house of all houses. Yeah. So um, I feel like Jamila, she is uh, wonderful. She goes off her heart. There was never a time that she like, I mean, even though she might have like, you know, um, had some similarities or love for the house of Estada, but she was like that with everyone. There was times that she chose Lavin. There was times she chose Gucci. There was times that she chose us, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was never, you can never um, predict where she was going with it because she went off what who what people made her feel like in the night. And that's what you're supposed to do as a judge. Mm-hmm. And Law was supposed to be judging on fashion and I only heard him judge like one or two times on the fashion look. So <laughs> get back to it, Law. <laughs> <laughs> on a bit of a uh, more just like fun note, what is your like go-to move? What's your favorite? What's your favorite thing to throw down? You know what? In uh, in Vogue, I am in love with all five elements. Mm-hmm. Like I, the, the things that gets me is just being able to transition and just let my body run through all the elements of the performance of Vogue. I can't even choose one because I always said to myself, you're like, oh, what element you're not strong in? I used to be like, well, I kind of like all of them. (laughs) (laughs) So that always been an issue for me because everybody used to have like, you know, that the element that they're weak in, but um, I enjoy all elements. So um, as soon as it's time for me to get, get out there, I'm just like, okay, I got all my elements, but I love me some spins. So that might be my, you know what? That might be the answer right there, the spins. I'm very known for my spins. <laughs> I love that. So, um, You mentioned some of your upcoming projects. Where can people find you if they want to learn more? Yes, um, if they want to find out like about projects or anything, I also am on Instagram as London Escada, even on Twitter as well. I usually post on there like when the, a project's going to drop or... Also, you can go to my website called, um, that's LondonFDL.com. That stands for London Floralis. Mm. You also find like the events on there, um, interviews, press, uh, merch, and stuff like that. And guys, I do communion every Sunday at seven o'clock, but we don't come back until May 6th um, when the actual um, legendary starts up. I will be back with communions, which is on Instagram. And I sit and have conversations about, you know, Vogue and, the culture and lifestyles and connections. So anytime you guys want to learn anything about stuff like that, you can always tune in. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. It sounds like you're very busy. So we were just so happy that you were able to fit us in. Oh, no, no problem. Thank you for having me. I, I When I saw that this discussion about ballroom, I feel like it's so important to have these conversations. So I will always make room and, and time to have these discussions because I feel like our culture needs it. Awesome. It's always, always about the knowledge of spreading the word from our ancestors. Absolutely, Absolutely. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You have a great rest of your day. You too, love. Bye. Bye. Have a good one. That was so fun. He's so sweet. We just want to say thank you again, London, for joining us on the pod. All of London's links will be available in the description of, of this, this episode. episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, of this episode. Do you want to say it at the same time? No. Of this episode. We got it. Okay, great. Now, 
song of of the week. Whoa, that was cool. That was cool. It's gonna get people chills. What's your song? My song is "Eeny Meeny" by Young Baby Tate. I don't know. Oh, I have I heard that. Played. I've heard that. Yeah, from you. Yeah. Can you play a small bit of the chorus again? I don't remember it. That's enough. Yeah. I don't want to pay. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a fun song. Love Young Baby Tate. She's great. She's great, Young Baby Tate. I'm not even familiar. Maybe I with can her. be a feature on one of her songs now since I'm clearly a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, my song of the week is "Soul Control" by Jesse Ware. Why is, is this that, moving? I thought you, that was yours last week. No. No. Um, the, no. Last week was serotonin. Oh, yeah. This week is soul control. They give me the same effect. They're very different. Soul control. I'll just play the beginning part. That's all you need to hear to get hooked. I'm the... Anyways, that's all I'm going to play. This came up on my Discover Weekly on Spotify. That's how I found it. Jesse Ware. Is that Jesse J's new stage name? No. Can we do an episode on Jesse J? Where Honestly. we just go through the Twitter feed or mm-hmm. that Twitter thread of just all the weird places Jesse J has performed? Yeah. In but- a bear suit in <laughs> Central Park? Anyways, <laughs> I found this on my Discover Weekly and I was like, that name sounds familiar. And turns out she was a guest judge on Drag Race UK. Oh. Season two. Didn't Never watched know. it. Great. Modern disco. Yeah. Well, where's Jesse J? Modern techno disco. Where is Jesse J right now, though? For Does anyone know Jesse J? Jesse J. So <laughs> awesome! I actually support her deep. She'd be on. She'd come on the show. We should ask. I'm not even kidding. I've met Jesse J. She's a friend of mine. Oh really? Yeah. She looks like someone who would go to teriyaki experience when she's at the food court in the mall. Is that a compliment? I just means I think she would go there. Okay. Well, this <laughs> you know? episode's over. <laughs> We've we've given you a lot this episode. So, yeah. Yeah. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Two Servings Pod. Yeah. Um, We're reachable by phone. Uh, We're reachable by text message. No, we're not reachable by phone. If you have our phone number or if you have our text message number, you can text us, message us. No. Text message us or phone us. No, email. And emails even. We have an email account now. We've always had it. (laughs) Yeah. But it's still true that we have an email account now. You can find more information about us at twoservingspod.com. And you can even, uh, you can even, you can even find us on the Apple Podcast Store. Okay. Please leave <laughs> us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And yeah. we appreciate it. And 16 of you have done that so far. So and if we can get that number up to a million... We we're will gonna be getting somewhere. We will give away a free Tesla. You got a one and in it's a million. Whoever chance. leaves a review right now. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Say bye. Bye. <laughs> bye.